I feel like we have missed a whole category of superheroes out there. See, we usually hold up and idolize the like Wonder Woman and Supermans of the world for their strength and success, but I have never heard of any superheroes like Weak Walter. I mean, how would you even draw him? Or Greedy Greta with her green hands or something. I don't know, Frank the Failure or Laura Lawbreaker. Like, we, we don't hold up or idolize those who are weak or greedy or failures or lawbreakers. And even if uh, maybe we could make a case for why we might be a superhero in one of those categories, those are the things that we tend to hide, not highlight. Yet, in the hymn that we just sang a moment ago, those were the very kind of words that just came out of all of your mouths, which I'd have to say, y'all did a great job singing that, so a kudos to you. Chief of sinners though I be, or, or maybe to put it a little more contextual, weakest Walter though I be. I mean, that's basically what we're saying, you know, greediest Greta though I be, Frank the biggest, maybe I'm not a songwriter. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you realize what you were saying as you were saying it? Actually, just even before we get there, for how many was that a song that was familiar to you? Okay, for how many was that the first time I've sung that? Yeah, all right, good for you. So totally throwing some new words into you. And this is kind of what's beautiful about a song, is that somebody else has already laid out a story that they're going to tell and it's going to come out of my mouth. Like, I didn't realize what I was going to say until I said it, and I kind of want to put it back in my mouth now. (laughs) But trust me, this soundtrack, Chief of Sinners Though I Be, Jesus Shed His Blood for Me, is worth settling into and setting on on repeat. Let this melody make it memorable to you, for there is a deep well of God's goodness that starts in that place. And in fact, it's developed all throughout the song and explored in the verses of Chief of Sinners, though I be. And that's where we're headed today. In fact, for the whole month of June, each week, we're going to pick a different song or hymn. So some of them will be hymns out of the hymnal, like that purple book or red book in front of you. This is where it came out of. And in fact, I want you to open that up now because we're going to take a look at this hymn today. It's number 611. 611. So just uh, numbers are on the top, uh, 611. Open that up, and we'll be working our way through that. Other Sundays, we'll be doing a contemporary song, like which we would typically do at this service, uh, and we'll get to expose uh, both services to something different than what they normally get a chance to hear. So, uh, a memorable melody each week. Some of them are engaging because they are new and novel. Some capture us because they are time-tested songs. Memorable melodies in both cases that develop and deliver marvelous truths, songs that make ideas stick and stay with us and sit in our subconscious till they come to our conscious minds so that they can lead us into intentional actions. See, songwriters are careful poets, not just with rhyme and time and melodies and music, but with telling deep truths and stories with painstakingly picked precision, with just a few words saying so much. 
And so often, it's easy to just blow past them. I mean, it's hard enough to, to pay attention through, through a sermon as the pastor rambles on and things, but as the songs come quickly, you only got like one crack at each of those things, and then they're gone. And sometimes it's hard to, to catch and mind the depth of what's there. We're going to spend time in doing that. For in worship, the hope isn't just to enjoy the beautiful artistry of a song and the, the feelings that it might come along with it, but rather that it's something that actually moves our hearts to draw even closer to God as we gather together here, to have us have something to carry with us as we scatter from here. So we'll slow down and enjoy the artistry and the precisely picked gospel preaching that happens in each of these songs or hymns, but we'll also read the texts the truths of God's word that those songs are based on. We'll also explore the story the songs tell and how they help write the story that God's trying to tell through us. Our prayer is that it both adds depth and meaning to our worship, even if just for those four songs, and it helps us carry the truths of God's word at the front of our minds into all the everyday places that we scatter as everyday people every day. So, chief of sinners, though I be. Take a look at the top of this, just so to orient you a bit, if you haven't uh, read out of a hymnal like this, uh, top left, there's a number one, and it says, chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Don't go down to the next line. You got to go down to like the whole next musical set where it says, blood for me. Died that I might live on high, lives that I might never die. So you read the whole top line of all of it all the way down. That's how that works. So, Chief of sinners though I be. This is based on words from 1 Timothy that were read just a little bit ago by Emily. It was in our opening worship set. It's these words. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, or of whom I am the chief sinner in other translations. The writer of this is the apostle Paul, so a sent disciple of Jesus, an apostle, Paul, and his rationale is this. Look, guys, I formerly was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent to Christians. Those are his words in verse 13 of that same text. Essentially, if I'm going to put it down, put the cookies on the bottom shelf here, uh, he's saying, I'm the worst ever because I not only wasn't a believer, I was stopping people from being believers, I was killing preachers, I was throwing people in prison, I was uh, actively attacking the kingdom of God. I am the worst, the absolute worst there's ever been. But, and you got to pay attention to big butts out there, the big butts in the Bible, like this. But I have received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, as the chief, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He's like, look, I'm the worst, guys. I'm the worst ever at this. And if he would forgive me, if he demonstrated his perfect patience with me, then you've got no room to say he won't demonstrate his perfect patience with you. 
So when those words are in our mouths, though, I think they could probably mean a couple different things. I don't know what's going through your mind as you say, chief of sinners though I be. On the one hand, it could be, faithfully, as you understand this text, chief of sinners though I be. Yep, that's what Paul said. Uh, Chief of sinners is Paul, you see, because he was terrible, worse than anybody I've ever seen, and he received mercy, so I can be confident as well. I will be, as the verses go on to say, I'm one that's grafted into the vine. What a beautiful picture of a, of a tree that was something else and now is connected to this new source of life and grows and is fruitful. Part of the vine is who I am because that's what God says and what he did in baptism for each of us. My identity My value, my self-concept, my self-esteem is rooted in his action and not mine. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. His dying, his carrying the punishment was for every one of Walter's weaknesses and all of Greta's greediness, all of Frank's failures, all of Laura's law-breaking, all of your sins and all of mine. And he is coming to life again. His coming to life again gives us all new life in him. So, as Paul says in another place, it's not I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. So, on the one hand, you could hear this chief of sinners, though I be, that you might say, as talking about Paul. You also might uh, hear it as chief of sinners, yep, that's me. Um, Like, Paul, you've done lots of stuff, but from my perspective right now, yeah, uh, I'm the worst sinner. I'm definitely the worst sinner I know. Chief of sinners, yep, that's me. This is the second way you could hear it. And if I'm honest for myself, it probably depends on the day. Um, Sometimes maybe you feel this way as things add up, as failures pile upon failure, as faults hurt not just you but others as maybe you look back on lifetime so far or lifetime in total as you're in a later season of life and look back mainly with regret. Maybe you've turned back to the sins that you know you shouldn't and wished you didn't, but still you do. And there, this objective truth, chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me, speaks to our subjective experience. This rock-solid reality speaks to the way that we are experiencing life, a a life that's characterized by soundtracks in our heads. Because you know you talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else. And so the, the, the things that you might say in your own head, like, you are beyond God's help. You've been hearing the good news of the gospel your whole life. And this hasn't changed yet. Why do you think that's going to happen today? You're broken beyond repair. Friends, these are lies. But nonetheless, soundtracks that are tempted to let run through our heads. But beyond repair isn't who you are. We don't root our identity in our actions, but in his. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus, what he did, he shed his blood for me. Your identity is this. If there was some, a sentence you would write down today, write this one down. Your identity is one God loved enough to die for. One God loved enough to die for. That's who you are. If beyond repair has never yet been something that's come to your mind, trust me, at some point it's probably coming. 
but now consider yourself equipped for when it does, because you get to quip back, chief of sinners though I be, what? Jesus shed his blood for me. When despair about your salvation sets in, when hopelessness about the hardships of life, whether a relationship that's becomes stagnant or hard or a situation that just seems beyond repair, we get to think of a God who shed his blood for me. And if he would do that, what would he not do for you? If he could do that, what is it that he could not do for you? Also consider yourself equipped for answering those same questions for the not, believe, not yet believers along the path of your life, the ones who you're walking with, everyday people, every day. And you can frame it as words about Paul, chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me, or about you, or about them. They're all true. A lifetime of sin, whether knowingly or unknowingly, as Paul was ignorant to these things, but nonetheless their sins, breaking God's law, selfishness, taking advantage of others, whether it's abuse or neglect, whether you're a mass murderer and you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail, or one who abuses children, his forgiveness is for you. His blood covers every sin. There's not a single one, a single person, nothing that you, that you know about yourself or that you have done that, that is outside the realm of what Jesus Christ has done for the world and for all. He died that you might live on high. He lives that you might never die as the branches to the vine. You are his by his work, and he is yours. It's almost, it's almost unfathomable, really. But in a single line, you're equipped to share the good news. Chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. So option number one, you might hear it as Paul. Option number two, you might hear it as, ah, this is about me. But let's talk about option number three, because there is an option number three. Chief of sinners, though I be, nope, 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 that's not me. <laughs> See, we might say those words, chief of sinners, though I be, but really I'm thinking, this guy here is worse than me. <laughs> Uh, sinner might be true about me, but it is more true about him. I live with him. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, as a follower of Jesus, as those who are sitting in the pews on Sunday mornings, as those who are putting offerings into the offering plate, likely those people who are volunteering in all the places, not only here but elsewhere in the community, those who are, are pillars in their families, encouragers and prayers, and those who are living in spiritual disciplines, Satan is likely to tempt you with this soundtrack. Cheap of sinners, yep, I see, but that guy there is worse than me. And the more you go to worship, the more you give, the more you adopt these spiritual disciplines, the more likely Satan is trying to tempt you to believe this, for he is prowling like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And if he cannot keep you away from God's word, he'll keep you distracted from it. He'll keep you distracted from letting it come to you. He'll, he'll help you dodge the gift that God is giving you through his word. But unless we let the light of God's truth shine on us, we can't see the gift that he's giving to us. Jesus highlighted that one day 
as he met with a Pharisee. It was read just a moment ago in our our gospel reading. It's John chapter 7. I want to summarize some of what what happened there. Uh, If you want to open up, you're welcome to it. I'll kind of talk in specific at John 7 uh, verse 41, but let me just get us into there. Jesus has been invited to a party. Uh, He's the guest of a Pharisee named Simon. Simon has gathered these people around. It's probably a fairly fancy party. Pharisees usually uh, were well-to-do kind of people, it seemed. And then a woman with a reputation came in, a harlot, a big-time public sinner who'd likely sinned that way for years. And she heard that Jesus was there, and so she comes in uninvited to the party, uninvited and weeping, weeping so much that she could wash his feet with her tears and through those tears kissed his feet and spread expensive ointment on her feet probably the most valuable thing she had she was giving to him in appreciation and love for what she had received from him and then Simon the one who'd invited him is like ooh talks to his people if he really was a prophet well he would know what poof what kind of woman she is and Jesus turns to him and tells him a story verse 41 John 7, 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Uh, a denarii is like a day's wage. So 500 days wage, so like two years worth of wages as compared to like two months worth of wages. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them, he asks, will love him more? Like, I got it right. Well, I guess the one who was forgiven more. And Jesus, uh, verse uh, 47 says, yeah, I tell you the truth. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. You can see her response to this. She had a lot to be forgiven of, and she was forgiven much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus said in another place, help us understand what he's trying to say here. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, that Pharisee didn't think he was sick and in need. That, like, she had way more sins and way more need for forgiveness than what he ever had. And so he just turns the spotlight on her. Chief of sinners, yep, it's she, he's saying. Because he thought he didn't need it. Because he was so quick to turn the spotlight on someone else, so quick to dodge the blessing that God was trying to give him. Friends, let the light of God's truth and expectations shine on you. Don't be too quick to dodge it. Notice and acknowledge the places where you have sinned, both what you have done and what you haven't done. Now, for those what you have done, you don't need to be agonizing and list every piece of it, but whatever's on your heart and comes to mind. But I think it's worth probably spending some time considering what you haven't done, for the list gets long and heavy in a hurry. And you start considering how I've sinned by not being generous, by the words I didn't say, the prayers I didn't pray, the time I didn't take, with him or with someone in need. The patience I didn't show. The emotions and the experiences of life that I didn't pay attention to how God was at work. The lonely potential friend that I passed on by. The list, it gets numerous and overwhelming in a hurry. 
But we often offer quiet moments during confession or before church when you get here. Maybe it's in the preparation time before you come to communion. Maybe for you it's just at the beginning of the day. I wanna encourage you to use that space to consider both what you've done and what you could, what you have not done, to let the, the dump truck load of sins pile up in your mind. For friends, guilt is a gift when it turns you back to God. Guilt is a gift when it turns you back to God. And while we don't celebrate the ways our actions or inactions might rival the sin superheroes out there of Weak Walter, Greedy Greta, Frank the Failure, and Laura the Lawbreaker, we'd wisely admit and confess the extent to which that's true. For, and if this was one of the things you wanted to write down today, I didn't write this down. For the depth of your sin gives you a window into the depth of his love. The depth of your sin, forgiven, gives you a window into the depth of his love. That weeping woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears wept because she knew herself to be a law-breaking Laura, who thought herself to be chief of sinners, yep, that's me. And for this reason, Jesus holds her up as a superhero of faith, a, a superhero disciple of Jesus, not for her sin, but for her humility, her honesty, her willingness to admit Major sinner, yep, that's me. Do the same. This is a key part of the life of following Jesus on this side of eternity, where we are both at the same time a saint, a saved person by the blood of Jesus Christ, and a sinner, someone who not only does this in our actions, but has this inclination inside of us that just won't go away this side of eternity. Admit these things. It's why, it's why there is confession always in our services. I think it's why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the petitions is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And whether you do it by praying the words that Jesus taught us to pray or, or you take a picture of this hymn so that you can take it home with you and, and read through it as a part of a, a, a quiet time that you do in the morning as you consider your own life and direction in the world, do it. Pause. Encourage you to, to use that prayer or this hymn and ask, in what ways am I making a run for superhero in one of these categories? Because then the gift of your superhero savior is all the greater. For he who is forgiven little loves little, and he who is forgiven much loves much. And that's, that's what the song goes on to celebrate. It's a beautiful, it just starts in this place, but it goes on to celebrate so much more. The height and depth of Jesus' love. A love that found me, wondrous thought. Found me when I sought him not. He came for you. This real God is forgiving real sins, and this should move our hearts. Now, I know Lutheran Church is typically made up of people that have German heritage. I know here in Holland, we have, or the, the Holland area, there's lots of people that are of Dutch heritage. And regardless of what heritage you, you are, there is often a stoicism that's seen. No, I'm not gonna show my emotions, I'm not gonna let things go through. I don't care whether it comes up to the top, you just need to acknowledge that they're there. For this love of Jesus does impart comfort to a wounded heart and peace that flows from sin forgiven and joy that lifts the soul to heaven and faith and hope 
to walk with God in the way that Enoch trod. Enoch, for those of you who don't know, is a guy who was commended because he pleased God with his life. Friends, if you hear these words and you don't really feel anything, it's worth asking the question, am I dodging the spotlight and putting it on somebody else? Am I just stepping out of it altogether whether it's on somebody else or not? If that's the case, it's time to repent, to turn from that and let the spotlight be put right on you. For we're all making a run for superhero sinner in some way or another. That we hope to God never comes to public light like it was for that woman. But we have to let the light of God's word shine on it and expose it. For the more that you confess, the freer you become. And the freer you become, the more appreciative you are. And the more appreciative you are, the more motivated you are to welcome others into this life as well. A life where Jesus provides all that we really need, that we are are never alone, never struggling by ourselves. As verse four says, uh, Christ is all in all to me. All my wants to him are known. All my sorrows are his own. Safe with him in earthly strife, I await the heavenly life. We don't really hold up superhero sinners of weak Walter and greedy Greta and Frank the Failure or Laura Lawbreaker, but we let the Spirit move us toward humility to admit how we are like Walter or Greta, Frank or Laura. We celebrate the God-given courage of those who admit, chief of sinners though I be, Jesus has shed his blood for me, for this not only opens the life Jesus has given to them, but it makes it look even more open to those who don't yet follow Jesus, but one day will, because of their example, because of their testimony, because of your words in a simple phrase, chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Let this be a soundtrack in your life. Let's pray. Strengthen us. Gracious Lord, by your spirit and your word, when our wayward hearts would stray, keep us in the narrow way. Grace and time of need supply where we live and when we die. We agree and all God's people say, amen.